hell no. <laughs> I, I, I'm going through the show prep today. I'm getting everything ready. I'm marking all the stuff I want to talk about. And every time I find an article, I keep saying, oh, hell no. Time after time, article. And so I thought, you know what? Let's just call the show that because it's full of that kind of crap tonight. Stuff you look at and you go, oh, hell no. Besides, I love that expression. <laughs> Not just no. Oh, hell no. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Wednesday. We're halfway through the week on the East Coast and the West Coast of America. America. You're just waking up and uh, you just started your halfway through the week. Here in Malaysia, we're done practically. It's 10 o'clock and uh, at night. And uh, yeah, we're on the other side of the planet. But uh, I am American. I'm American at heart. My love and, and all is still back in what used to be an amazing country. And now they've managed to screw it up a lot. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. All that and more coming up right now. We're going to update you on our favorite female furry friend, our three-year-old Shiba Inu baby, whose name is Miko. And this is the Miko update. You know, I talked last night about her with the pig ear, how she protects this stuff at all costs. Well, just to prove, see, she's, she's actually, oh no, she's, what is that? That's not a pig ear. Oh, that's one of her new toothbrush toys. She actually, she actually eventually eats them, but she does the same thing with this. She lays it there and she'll wait for you to try and take it so she can bite your hand off. Well, this is the proof that she actually eventually does eat it, because there she is eating it. If you're listening on our podcast over there on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, we're available. Just look up The Jay Sheldon Show and hit follow and subscribe on our podcast. You can check us at the audio portion of our show. But anyway, on screen right now is Little Miss Miko finally eating her dog chew. It's a cool chew, too. She takes her time, but she takes some pretty big gulps. Anyway, <laughs> oh, man, she's doing great. Had a couple of good walks today. It rained almost all day. In fact, virtually all day today here in Malaysia. The whole peninsula of Malaysia was covered in rain all day, some light, some heavy, but it has rained. We got enough rain to last forever. Our Miko updates brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com. If you head over to our special link, which is BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, you will get a free extra month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. Give your dog exactly what they want. It's a monthly subscription service. You can see the... You can see the uh, the bark boxes over here. They come with a couple of toys, which are themed every month, a new theme, and they're adorable. They're great for your dog. They've got little little weird patches on them that crinkle and some squeak and stuff, and they're absolutely incredible. Plus a couple of bags of dog treats, and those are uh, <clears throat> all natural, good for your dog, and uh, they will love them, I promise. If you're ever not satisfied with anything, you give customer service a ring up, and they will make it right no matter what. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. And if your dog has any allergies, there's a checkbox when you order. You can just tell them about it, and they'll make sure you don't get that kind. 
and also a dog chew, just like the one Miko was eating a minute ago. You'll get one every month, all of this inside the Bark Box. And if you want a free extra month when you sign up with a multi-month subscription, you just go to our special link. It's in the show notes tonight. You check down there if you forget. Easy to remember, though, BarkBox.com slash Miko. That's all you need to do. Click the box, put in your order, and you are good to go. And your fur friends are good to go, too. All right. Thank you. BarkBox.com. Hey, you know what? We did not put this in our show notes tonight. But I wanted to share it with you because (sighs) it's beyond frightening. This is from a uh, uh, Twitter post, rather, by the Vigilant Fox, if you want to go follow him over on Twitter. And uh, let me make sure that your sound is on. on. Hang Hang on, on. just before before we we do that. Dr. Marty Makari, two leading virologists, told Fauci on his emergency call in January of 2020 when he was scrambling soon after learning the NIH was funding the Wuhan lab. They both said it was likely from the lab. 2020 January. Both scientists, this is the critical point, both scientists changed their tunes days later in the media. And then both scientists received $9 million in grants, subsequent funding from the NIH. Check this out. Thank you, Congresswoman. The reason this is even an issue is that it's embarrassing we funded the lab. If we had not funded the lab, 100% of Americans would say this is obvious, this is a no-brainer. The epicenter of the world is five miles from one of the only high-level virology labs in China. The doctors initially were arrested and forced to sign uh, non-disclosure gag documents. The lab reports have been destroyed. They've not been turned over. The sequences reported from the lab to the NIH database were deleted by a request from Chinese scientists that called over early on and said, delete those sequences we put in the database. And two leading virologists, maybe the two um, top virologists in the United States, Dr. Michael Farzan from Scripps and Dr. Robert Gary from Tulane, told Dr. Fauci on his emergency call in January of 2020 when he was scrambling soon after learning that the NIH was funding the lab, they both said that it was likely from the lab. Both scientists changed their tunes days later in the media, and then both scientists received $9 million subsequent in funding from the NIH. It's a no-brainer that it came from the lab. I mean, at this point, it's impossible to acquire any more information. And if you did, it would only be affirmative. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> All right. And one more. I did not put the link to this in our show notes tonight, but uh, it's a rather interesting article that connects the USA with Malaysia, believe it or not. Uh, Somebody, uh, Tim Zizin, said, if you can't stand Malaysian jail, don't steal Malaysians' money. Yeah, probably a good idea. 
From Free Malaysia Today, our local news website here, Roger Ong says Malaysian jails were absolute hell. This is just video and text over, so I'll read it to you as it comes up best I can. Former Goldman Sachs Group banker and convicted 1MDB conspirator Roger Ung said in a court filing he spent six months in a squalid Malaysian prison where he was sometimes chained to as many as 20 other inmates. Ung described his previous incarnation in a letter to U.S. Court Judge Margot pleading for leniency when he's sentenced next week for his role in the looting of 1MDB funds. In the letter on Saturday, he argued the time he spent in the Sungai Bulo prison before his May 2019 extradition to the U.S. was absolute hell and punishment enough. <laughs> in Sungai Bulo, the one-time managing director said he lived with rats and other vermin, slept on a cement floor, and contracted malaria and leprosy, a bacterial infection spread through rat feces in urine. Uh, he also said he was held in solitary confinement for up to two weeks at a time. Ung is the only Goldman employee to have gone to trial over the 1MDB scandal. And uh, there you go. From Free Malaysia Today, their Twitter, uh, Twitter post. And you know what? Like the person who reposted that said, you're exactly right, uh, Sim. Can't do the time. Don't do the crime. But that'll give you some ideas to what it's like to go to prison or jail. Well, prison here in Malaysia. Sungai Bulo is an actual prison, not a temporary jail. But it's not nice. You really don't want to wind up in one. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> Remember, that's the theme of our show tonight. From nationalinterest.org. Yeah, we're going to cover this moron. All right, cross that off. Yes, you use cookies. Why Zelensky is failing in the Ukraine. You saw this latest press con thing he did where he's saying that the United States is going to have to send their sons and daughters over to fight. Oh, hell no. He's facing a political future that's no laughing matter. 2019, the comedian turned presidential candidate won Ukraine's highest office by a nearly three-to-one margin before trouncing the country's established political parties in a few months over the parliamentary elections. His new party won so many seats, he held a majority in parliament and now faces a political future that is no longer any laughing matter. Sorry, there's a ton of ads on this webpage. The link to this story is in our show notes. He was elected on three promises. To end the war in Ukraine. We all saw how that went. To make the large Eastern European country of 42 million rich. Well, thanks to the U.S., now they are. And to staunch corruption. <laughs> Yeah, he's faltered on all of those. It's a shift not only in tone, but substance and personnel. He's sacked his former uh, reform-minded prime minister. None of his cabinet, prosecutor general, many other top officials in March and April, which stunned everyone. Uh, the timing could not have been worse. The global coronavirus pandemic reached Ukraine a few weeks later, and 
may well devour up to 8.2% of its GDP. He's hired flunkies with little or no experience and even old Yakonovich cronies. At the time, he's supporting politically motivated charges against his former president, prosecutor general, former infrastructure minister, and the heads of the tax and the custom services. The list goes on and on. In July, the head of the National Bank of Ukraine resigned after a one-on-one meeting with Zelensky, citing political pressure. Thomas Fiala, the head of Dragon Capital, top investment firm in the Ukraine, said he would suspend all future investments. This is the last straw one can only guess what his motives are. It's either complete incompetence or sabotage, motivated by Russia. Oh, look, some knee patches. Anyway, what went wrong? Five theories to explain the radical and often mercurial shifts of the past year. Zelensky's a puppet of Ihor Kolomyovsky. Kolomyovsky, who's owned the largest bank in the country, private bank, or privat bank, has been accused of looting the bank to the tune of $6 billion before losing it in 2016. Now, he's doing everything he can in multiple courts, in multiple countries, to try and get the bank back, or at least some of the cash. Zelensky and Kolomowski certainly have a close relationship. Zelensky's TV show, in which he goes from country bumpkin history teacher to president after a viral rant about corruption, was broadcast on Kolomoisky's One Plus One TV station. The oligarch also boosted Zelensky with a positive media coverage way before the presidential election took place. Russian puppet, long held by many members of the Ukrainian diaspora and the nationalist types from the West, Ukraine, this idea rests on animus towards Zelensky. He's not a native Ukrainian speaker. He fails to denounce Russian President Vladimir Putin every chance he gets and shows flexibility on efforts to make peace in eastern Ukraine. He's a victim of his own inexperience. This guy was an actor and a dancer and a performer. In fact, a piano-playing penis performer at one point. Basically, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He just managed... or. I would guess probably it's just a puppet of the U.S. and they managed to get them elected. And you know how good we people in the U.S. are at putting the ones we want in office, whether you voted for them or not. Right, Fetterman? Right, Biden? Mm. Victim of his own naivete. Genuinely meant well. Ran for president to fix the country. At least that's what he said he wanted to do. He was rich, famous, and hilarious before he ran. In other words, he didn't really need the job. He says he also ran so his kids could live in a normal country. So he said all the right things. But it doesn't work that way. And possibly he's no match for the system. It is impossible to change Ukraine. Everything is for sale, including parliamentarians. Name your price. You can adopt a baby during COVID-19. Illegally air freight hundreds of dogs from a puppy mill to Canada. Do just about anything else you want if you got the scratch. This bunch was much more affordable than the last one. 
Until the role of money in Ukraine's politics changes, it doesn't matter who is president. Ukraine's modern history makes it impossible to summarily dismiss this theory. One thing is clear. The show will go on in Ukraine. But whether Zelensky will be the starring act is another matter. Instead, in Kiev, yes, I said Kiev, it is increasingly looking like it's back to the future. (sighs) So there you go. A little mini history lesson on that moron who keeps stealing slash laundering our money and wants more. And now he wants our sons and daughters. And so, like the show says, oh, hell no. I got a solution to, if you're getting older, you're getting up there in years, things are starting to creak, fall apart, like my whole body right now. Don't get old, folks. If you're under 60, don't get old. It sucks. Just got to smile and get through it. It's all you can do. And sometimes it's one day at a time. I know that's the Alcoholic Anonymous and the uh, Narcotics Anonymous slogan. But it's the old fart slogan too. One day at a time. Check this out. It's from LifeSiteNews.com. The link is in our show notes. A Yale professor is now under fire for suggesting mass suicide of Japanese elderly would ease the economic burden. No, I'm not kidding. I feel like the only solution is pretty clear. It isn't, isn't it mass suicide, mass seppuku of the elderly? Yale professor Yusuke Narita declared, referring to the economic problem, of Japan's aging population. Well, there is the professor with his useless sheep-wearing mask. A Yale University professor has provoked backlash over his suggestion that mass suicide of the elderly is the only solution to economic problems posed by Japan's quickly aging population. Well, if the aging population is a problem... Have them kill themselves. That'll take care of it. You idiot. I feel like the only solution is pretty clear, quoting the Yale assistant professor of economics. During a late 2021 news discussion on Japan's demographic problems, in the end, isn't it mass suicide and mass seppuku of the elderly, he added, referring the realistic suicide by disembowelment historically used by samurai and the Japanese to restore honor to themselves for their families. During this same discussion, other commenters proposed, on the contrary, Japan's only option is to increase the number of children. Gee, that sounds like a much more happy solution of making babies than putting a knife in your stomach and cutting your guts out. There's more to this article. I I just can't read anymore because it's beyond stupid from this moron. But yeah, read it if you want. It's in our show notes tonight. You can check it out and uh, shake your head and say, oh, hell no. 
All right, let's get to our sponsor. And our first sponsor tonight is the good folks at Brickhouse Nutrition. Folks, fruits and vegetables are the key to healthy living. But while fruits and vegetables may very well be the anchor of a healthy diet, the problem is they're hard to cook. They're hard to prepare. You got to go shopping and they're perishable. How much it's happened to me a million times. You you know you decide I'm at the fruits and vegetable department. I'm going to buy some stuff. I'm going to cook some veggies. I'm going to eat these bananas and apples and oranges and pears. So you buy a bunch of it and what happens? You get home, you eat a couple things, and then four or five days later, you go back to get something, they all went off. How many times have you bought them and they go off before you even get the chance to eat or cook them? Field of Greens is a science-backed formula of specific, healthy, wholesome fruits and vegetables. Ground into an amazing tasting powder, you just mix it in into your favorite drink, green tea, orange juice, whatever. Real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. These are not extracts. These are not supplements. These are 100% real USDA organic fruits and vegetables ground into an amazing tasting powder. And it comes in many great tasting flavors. You will love it and it is so good for you. And it is a way to get those fruits and vegetables you know you ought to be eating anyway. Without all the fuss and muss. And they're 100% organic. Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. Check out the special link in our show notes. That's the description down below. And if you use that link to check out Brickhouse Nutrition, you will get a special offer exclusively from the Jay Sheldon Show by using that link to Brickhouse Nutrition. Thank you, Brickhouse Nutrition. It is great to have you on board. And please do yourself a favor. You know you got to have those fruits and veggies Find a way to do it that's easy and tasty. And the way to do that is Brickhouse Nutrition. All right. Oh, man, we got so much stuff going on tonight. What else have we got happening here? Why did I put this in here? Hang on. I got to preview this before I pop it up on screen because I'm not quite sure what it is that I saved. Uh, Where'd it go? Is it still there? Oh, yeah. Here's another oh hell no moment. This is from Tim Hoops at Tim Hoops 4. Let me give, <laughs> he even says it in the tweet. Let me give a simple response to, to the WHO for this proposal. I don't want to say no, so I'll go with hell no. The proposed amendments, and they're passing, and Biden's backed it. You know it's going to go through. Pay attention because it is scary. The link to this tweet is in our show notes if you want to retweet it. The proposed amendments would change the overall nature of the World Health Organization from an advisory organization that merely makes recommendations to a governing body whose proclamations would be legally binding to any country that signs on with this crap greatly expand the scope of the international health regulations to include scenarios that merely have a potential to impact public health, seeks to remove respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of you and I, 
gives the director general of the WHO control, control to the one guy over the means of production through an allocation plan for health products to require developed state parties to supply pandemic response products as directed. That massive power in the hands of one person, and in this case, that idiot who's running the WHO. And finally gives the WHO authority to require, require medical examinations, proof of prophylaxis, proof of vaccine, and to implement contract contact tracing, quarantine, and treatment require and these kind of powers are possibly likely going to be given over to the WHO one more time say it with me oh hell no <laughs> alright got some AI stuff for you uh <laughs> This is actually kind of funny. Here we go. This is AI pre-creation of Biden calling for a military draft. And it sparked some very strong reactions. Jack Prosobic, uh, uh, who's an incredibly funny guy and posts a lot of serious crap. Human Events Daily host Jack Prosobic has made a terrifyingly precedent and viral video that is a fake AI creation of President Biden calling for a military draft to fight a war on two fronts, one, Russia with Ukraine, and the other, China over Taiwan. The AI deepfake was engin- has engineered strong reactions over a possible draft, none of them good, and anger is the prevailing feeling towards such a possibility. The clip shows Biden telling Americans he's using his executive authority to invoke the draft. Well, let me play it for you. Actually, when you look at it, it's not a really well-done AI. It's a little cheesy, but uh, you watch. Take a listen. The illegal Russian offensive has been swift, callous, and brutal. It's barbaric. Let me be clear. Putin's illegal occupation... Let me be clear. This is fake, okay? This is fake. ...of Kyiv and the impending Chinese blockade of Taiwan has created a two-front national security crisis that requires more troops than the volunteer military can supply. I have received guidance from General Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, that the recommended way forward will be to invoke the Selective Service Act, as is my authority as President. The first to be called in a sequence determined by National Lottery will be men and women whose 20th birthday falls during calendar year 2023. Remember, you're not sending your sons and daughters to war. You're sending them to freedom. God bless our troops and God bless Ukraine. God bless... There's Jack. Yeah, like I said, it's a fake. It's not a very well done fake. But to say that it's not possible, that's a little harder one to conjure up. Uh... I couldn't tell you it's not possible. In fact, I would think it's we're bordering on that right now. Wouldn't be surprised. We'll see how 
Minority Report pre-crime that might be. YouTube crawling back into bed with the, uh, well, the Chinese Communist Party. We're going to get to that in just a bit. Right now, I want to talk to you from our another uh, one of our great sponsors here, and that is Skillshare. It's an online learning platform created for both learners and educators. It's uh, more. It's got more than thirty thousand classes to choose from. New courses being added all the time. Every kind of class you can imagine. They're all ad free. You don't have to get interrupted in the middle. Uh, design, tech, illustration, business. Computer sciences, it's all there. Check over 30,000 different courses for you to take a look at. You can do a search. Anything in the creative business, like the arts, like I said, design, illustration, all those things are there. Even specifics down to how to use Photoshop are there. If you're a learner, you can take an online course about a specific school, whatever you can imagine, chances are it's covered. Uh, you, you may want to learn. Now, if you're a teacher, here's a cool idea. You sign up at Skillshare and you can publish a course on whatever you're an expert in. Make some side income. Skillshare offers a wide variety of topics. The most value is in creative topics like design, uh, photography, cinematography, motion graphics also. Anyone can take a class, do a project, and like I said, you can even teach a course. Whether you are an individual or a team, you find out more by going to the link down there in our show notes. It's, uh, it says Skillshare. You go to that special link and you will get an amazing offer when you sign up using our link from the Jay Sheldon Show. Skillshare is an incredible source and an incredible resource for you to put another bunch of knowledge in your pocket and uh, check it out. You'll be amazed at the course. Over 30,000 and they add more every single day. They add more courses. And these, when you sign up, I mean, there's a fee, of course. That's why, they're in, that's why we're all in business, folks. It's to make money. But they're very reasonable fees for these courses. And they're not. They're ad-free. You don't have to worry about getting stuck in the middle. Some are one session long. Some are five or ten sessions long. It all depends. You just look it up. Find out what you want to learn about, and there's a really good chance you will find that skill on Skillshare. Use our link in our show notes. All right. It's uh, YouTube and Xi Jinping. Yay! YouTube has deleted a satirical channel which spent most of its time criticizing Xi Jinping. There's the goofball now. Oh, should I say that? Because I'm on YouTube. I'll probably get knocked off or get a strike or something. Anyway, YouTube channel Reuters Xi. I think I said that right, is known for mocking Chinese President Xi Jinping. They removed the channel. Online free speech advocates claim that the Chinese Communist Party used YouTube's copyright infringement policies to get the channel banned. According to Radio Free Asia, the last video uploaded on the channel mocked Xi for his attempts to become an emperor and claiming honorary university degrees. Yet he has an elementary school level education. 
According to a former contributor of the channel, it was removed because of violating copyright policies by using copyrighted music. I will tell you, because I own a channel, I own all the channels I'm live on right now. They will try and hit you. I get strikes, clicks, uh, hits, especially on Facebook, not much any, any other channel. Rumble, never. YouTube, rarely. Twitch.tv, I don't think ever. But Facebook is horrendous. Almost every show I get a hit from Disney because they say I've used some sort of copyright music of theirs. The thing is, when they when they do one of these claims, they block the video from everywhere. So I have to put in a dispute after every sh- almost every freaking show on Facebook. Now, once I put in the dispute, they unblock it. And so far, every time they withdraw their complaints because they're foundless. They are completely without merit. And I can prove that. I got a hit because we run a little bit of black after the end of our show. So let's say the show was 52 minutes. I got a complaint that I was using copyrighted music at 52 minutes and 30 seconds when there was nothing there but black and silence. Thanks, Disney. Wasting my time. Anyway, they used the copyright claims to knock this channel off. And, uh, of course, President Z does not like being mocked or criticized. The government cracks down on satire because it is a rather effective tool in spreading dissent. And uh, so, no doubt, CCP had something to do with making copyright claims, which then Facebook was apparently more than happy to go ahead and knock the channel off. It's just not there anymore. You can't find it. It it does not exist. All right. Uh, We got one more story for you. It's a good news story because we always end with some good news before we we, um, head into our book. We're reading White Fang, the classic White Fang. And uh, this is from thepostmillennial.com. The link is in our show notes, but pay close attention because there are two links related to this story because I wanted you to have the chance to do your part and help out. There is a fundraiser that's been launched. It's legit. It is to provide water filters for the folks of East Palestine. Without filtration systems, they'll be at the risk of drinking that crap, toxic, chemical, infected water from the industrial accident. There's, oh, look, the EPO. That's the Ohio EPA, not the federal EPA. Residents of East Palestine, Ohio, are continuing, even if it's out of the news, they're still living with it, with potentially contaminated drinking water. Self-proclaimed water bro Augustus Dorico has set up a give-send-go fundraiser to provide filtration systems for those in need. Nearly 5,000 people in the community are at the risk of drinking this toxic water. The government hasn't done crap to help out. They really haven't. And despite it being over three weeks since the chemical-carrying train first derailed, yeah, 23 days since the spill, 
4,721 people at risk of drinking toxic water. Authorities are yet to improve municipal or residential water filtration. So we'll do it ourselves. And he's set up a give-send-go. And authorities have yet to improve the water supply. Uh, Without filtration systems, they'll be at risk of drinking that water. Donations will assist with the acquisition, distribution, and installation of whole-house granular-activated carbon filters uh, for everyone, everyone in East Palestine. He noted the goal is to provide safe drinking water to all of East Palestine. The first milestone is to install a reverse osmosis filter in 100 residences, and that costs $50,000. Yeah. So in addition to the link to this story, I also put this link in our show notes. And there you go. That is the link to directly go. It's in our show notes to the Give, Send, Go Fund. And here it is. East Palestine Water Relief. You'll see here so far they have a goal of 50000 and they've raised $11,535. Come on, folks. You can do better than that. Give till it hurts. I know everybody's struggling. Everybody's having a tough time. No doubt about it. There are people struggling harder than you are. There are people who can't find fresh, clean water to drink. And so, uh, yeah, there you go. They are looking at 50000 so far after just a few days. They've raised 11.5000. So they're on the way, but they need more help. And the link to the article from there, and also the direct link to the Give, Send, Go is in our show notes tonight because we wanted you to do what you can to help out the folks of East Palestine. Palestine. I knew I was going to do that. Really. How many people? I mean, because especially I don't live in the U.S. anymore. So I hear Palestine a lot more than I hear Palestine. And no, I don't live in Palestine. All right, it's time to head on over and check out our book. We read books on this show. Indeed, we do. We've been doing that for a very long time. We read all the classics. We've done The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Peter Pan, uh, you name it. We've done so many great books. We read them all the way beginning to end, chapter or half a chapter at a time. Until we get to the end, we move on. Right now, we've been doing White Fang. We're thinking about doing Treasure Island next because I've never read it, but I've always wanted to. Most of these books I've never read before. And so I discover them with you as I read them live on the air. And uh, looking forward to it. Should be fun. All right. uh, Let me just check one or two little things here. And then as soon as we're good to go, we are good to go. Let's see. There we go. All right. Cool. White Fang. When we left off, White Fang was becoming quite a monster. Picking on all the other dogs, getting his way, stealing their food. He was a monstrous tyrant. His mastery was rigid as steel. He oppressed the weak with a vengeance. Not for nothing had he been exposed to the pitiless struggles for life in the day of his cubhood when his mother and he alone and unaided held their own and survived in the ferocious environment of the wild. Uh, 
and not for nothing had he learned to walk softly when the superior strength went by. He oppressed the weak, but he respected the strong. And in the course of the long journey with Grey Beaver, he walked softly indeed amongst the full-grown dogs in the camps of the strange man-animals they encountered. The months passed by, still continued the journey of Grey Beaver. White Fang's strength was developed by the long hours on trail and the steady toil at the sled, and it would have seemed that his mental development was well-nigh complete. He'd come to know quite thoroughly the world in which he lived. His outlook was bleak and materialistic. The world as he saw it was a fierce and brutal world, a world without warmth, a world in which caresses and affection and the bright sweetnesses of the spirit did not exist. He had no affection for Grey Beaver. True, he was a god, but a most savage god. White Fang was glad to acknowledge his lordship, but it was a lordship based upon superior intelligence and brute strength. There was something in the fiber of White Fang's being that made his lordship a thing to be desired. Else he would not have come back from the wild when he did to tender his allegiance. There were deeps in his nature which had never been sounded. A kind word, caressing touch of the hand on the part of Grey Beaver might have sounded these depths. But Grey Beaver did not caress, did not speak kind words. It was not his way. His primacy was savage. Savagely he ruled, administering justice with a club, punishing transgression with the pain of a blow, and rewarding merit not by kindness, but why by withholding a blow. So White Fang knew nothing of the heaven a man's hand might contain for him. Besides, he didn't like the hands of the man-animals. He was suspicious of them. It was true they sometimes gave meat, but more often they gave hurt. Hands were things to keep away from. They hurled stones, wielded sticks, clubs, whips, administered slaps and clouts, and when they touched him, were cunning to hurt with a pinch and a twist and a wrench. In strange villages, he'd encountered the hands of children and learned that they were cruel to hurt. Also, he'd once nearly had an eye poked out by a toddler papoose. From these experiences, he became suspicious of all children. He could not tolerate them. When they came near with their ominous hands, he got up. It was in a village of the Great Slave Lake that, in the course of resenting the evil of the hands of the man-animals, he came to modify the law that he'd learned from Grey Beaver, namely that the unpardonable crime was to bite one of the gods. In this village, after the custom of all dogs in the villages, White Fang went foraging for food. A boy was chopping frozen moose meat with an axe, and the chips were flying in the snow. 
White Fang, sliding by in a quest of meat, stopped and began to eat the chips. He observed the boy lay down the axe and take up a stout club. White Fang sprang clear, just in time to escape the descending blow. The boy pursued him, and he, a stranger in the village, fled between two teepees to find himself cornered against a high earth bank. There was no escape for White Fang. The only way out was between the two teepees, and this the boy guarded. Holding his club, prepared to strike, he drew in on his cornered quarry. White Fang was furious. He faced the boy, bristling, snarling, his sense of justice outraged. He knew the law of forage. All the wastage of meat, such as the frozen chips, belonged to the dog that found it. He'd done no wrong, broken no law. Yet, here was this boy preparing to give him a beating. White Fang scarcely knew what happened. He did it in a surge of rage, and he did it so quickly, the boy didn't know either. All the boy knew was that he had in some unaccountable way, been overturned into the snow, and his club hand had been ripped wide open by White Fang's teeth. But White Fang knew he'd broken the law of the gods. He'd driven his teeth into the sacred flesh of one of them, and he could expect nothing but a most terrible punishment. He fled away to Grey Beaver, behind whose protecting legs he crouched. And the bitten boy and the boy's family came, demanding vengeance. But they went away with vengeance unsatisfied. Grey Beaver defended White Fang. So did Mitza and Klukuch. White Fang, listening to the wordy war and watching the angry gestures, knew that his act was justified. So it came that he learned that there were gods and gods. There were his gods, and there were other gods. There were, between them, a difference. Justice or injustice, it was all the same. He must take all things from the hands of his own gods but he must not compel to take injustice from the other gods. It was his privilege to present it with his teeth. And this also was the law of the gods. Before the day was out, White Fang was to learn more about this law. Mitza alone, gathering firewood in the forest, encountered the boy that had been bitten, and with him were other boys, Hot words passed, and then all the boys attacked Mitza. It was going hard with him. Blows were raining upon him from all sides. White Fang looked on at first. This was an affair of the gods and no concern of his. Then he realized this was Mitza, one of his own particular gods, who was being maltreated. 
It was no reasoned impulse that made White Fang do what he then did. A mad rush of anger sent him leaping in amongst the combatants. Five minutes later, the landscape was covered with fleeing boys. Many of them dripped blood upon the snow in token that White Fang's teeth had not been idle. When Mitza told the story in camp, Gray Beaver ordered meat to be given to White Fang. He ordered much meat to be given, and White Fang, gorged and sleepy by the fire, knew that the law had received its verification. Wow. We will continue this chapter coming up in our next stream on Saturday Night Show. 10 o'clock Malaysian time, wherever it is. Check us out. Uh, Gervash Batra over there on twitch.tv. Hello to you. Nice to have you along for the stream. Thank you. All right. We are going to close things out for tonight. And uh, we will see you again on Saturday night. Please, if I could ask you just one quick favor, go over here and click on that follow button or subscribe. But on, on rumble.com, it's follow. And... Uh, we get hundreds of views across the platforms, but very few of you actually take a one second. It's free to hit that follow button or subscribe, whatever it might be. I, YouTube is subscribe. Rumble is follow. I'm doing very good, Garvash. Uh, I hope I'm saying your name right, too. It's good to have you along here. Uh, but we're almost done. We're just closing out the show for the night. So uh, be sure and check us out on our next show, which is coming up on uh, on Saturday night of this week. We're on Monday, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. We're live, and you can watch the replay of the show on all the channels, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and most importantly, Rumble.com, the Jay Sheldon Show. All right, I will see you again Saturday night. Until then, have a great rest of, rest of your week. This is the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night, everybody.